Okay, so Justice, I have a very important question for you, and I want you to speak in all honesty. Can you do can you do this? I am very ready. Okay, so if you had an exact version of yourself that was female, would you make out with her? Does she have long hair? I like how that's the deciding factor. (laughs) Sure, sure. She's beautiful, flowing, long hair. Would you? I mean, according to Loki, they lived a different life, so I don't know, man. According to Loki, it's okay. Like, well, like, I've seen all kinds of stuff online that are talking about the whole Loki Sylvie thing, which we'll get into, but I'm like, it's either one of two things. It's either incest or masturbation, and I'm not sure which it is. Yes. <laughs> and on that note, guys, we are Pod Wars. We're happy to talk with you today. I'm here with my podcast, Consigliere Justice. What's up, guys? And we're going to be talking a little bit of Loki, some probably some comics, definitely some Bad Batch and Black Widow. And just kind of catch up on the nerdiness that's been going on over this. Yes, this episode is the what's going. We're going to spoil what the other person hasn't seen, so that we can just talk about it for you guys. Because I haven't seen Black Widow, and you haven't seen Bad Batch's most recent episodes. I have not, um, but I have been watching Demon Slayer. I feel like that makes up for it. Okay. We're going to talk about this, dude, because I'm still low-key very pissed at you. How could you think Demon Slayer isn't good? That is a beautiful and well-written anime. It is a masterpiece. How could you dare think it sucks? So the, if you're looking for an anime, you should watch Jujutsu Kaisen, not Demon Slayer. But when the normal criticism for Demon Slayer is that the animation carries it, and it totally does. The story is kind of meh, but it's still... The only thing that like saving it is that um, Tanjiro is not a typical shonen main character. Like he's not one annoying, and two, he actually has like what's the word? Common sense, I would say. He's actually like basically smart, good-hearted, and not a complete moron. Which I think is great. I love that, and I love the animation. But it's definitely more than just animation for me, dude. Like what? about it doesn't hit your soul the fact that every time i turn it on i fall asleep so i have to rewatch the episode and i just like or okay like for example um you know the episode where they're fighting the spiders and the forest the spider demons yeah um yeah great exactly such, such a good good scene and right when i can't even say his name zenitsu is about to cut off one of the guy's heads i fell asleep and then I was watching it with Matt, and he was like, oh my gosh, that seems so good. And I'm like, crap. And I had to get back up, fast forward, or rewind 10 <laughs> seconds just so I could see the, the amazing part. It just happens all the time. And I'm like, I don't understand what it is with this TV show. It's like, that's like the dopest part of the entire episode is when Zenitsu goes ham and you were asleep. Yep. Ah, gives us flashbacks for when we watched... Uh, what was it? The Last Jedi, and you're like, wake me up when the throne when seem happens. That normally happens, though. Like, okay, there, here's the thing: when it comes to Gary, Evan, and I hanging out and watching things, we start it very late at night, 
And typically Gary and I get up very early for, you know, work. Not that Evan doesn't, but whatever. Uh, and normally I'm, I get tired. So I look at them and I'm just like, hey, I'm going to take a, you know, a nap during the movie that we're watching. Wake me up during the best part. And they do that. And I love them for that. But they, you know, respectfully <laughs> let me sleep during the boring parts of the movies. Anyways, speaking of boring parts, dude, you, you've mentioned on the podcast that well, we, we don't like to be the Demi Downers of fandoms, but you mentioned in the podcast how you're not a huge fan of Bad Batch. Yeah, I mean, it's not captivating my attention right now. There's definitely other things that I'm more focused on, but I have... I will say I'll, like, I'll go back and I'll give it a try. And I've definitely heard that it's gotten better the past few episodes. The last episode that I saw was the one where Fennec and Cad Bane fight each other for Omega. And then they get reuni- Omega gets reunited with, uh, you know, the 99. Or not, yeah, the, sorry, Bad Batch. Okay, okay. Yeah, so the last two episodes, one was, I think, really good. And the other one was okay. Um, so the, I believe it was the seventh episode, the, not the most recent, the one before that, I really actually like that one a lot because it goes into Ryloth and the Syndulas and kind of shows the aftermath of them after Clone Wars with the Empire. So it not only gives like a good Hera cameo, Mm. like Hera's a part of the show and you get to see more of uh, Champs and Dula and a lot of the political intrigue that came from Clone Wars. Because the one of the reasons I liked this was when I first saw in the little um, like video splurt thing or the picture thing for the episode, you see Hera there and you're like, oh, it's going to be like the other episodes where you have a random character of a, that cameos in there just to make the fans happy. And in this case, what they did differently was they made a they made it more interesting with the storyline. By that, I mean they connected it well to Clone Wars, and it was more of a continuation of Clone Wars versus just randomly inserting a beloved character. Like, I feel like they just randomly inserted Cad Bane just because Cad Bane's cool, versus this one, it's really a continuation of Clone Wars. Is it somehow also connected with the Lords of the Sith Star Wars book? I don't know if you're, you've read that one or whatnot, but, like, is there any... <sighs> It's been a while for that one. You have to remind just, me. That's just the one where uh, the Ryloth people have a plan to take out Vader and Palpatine, and they're on the planet, you know, post, you know, the Clone Wars. So I guess this is a little bit later, but I didn't know if there was any connection to it. Ah, uh, yes. This is actually pre-Lords of the Sith then, because it's kind of when the crap goes down where basically Champs and Dula is trying to rectify the fact that he sided with the Republic, but the Republic is now the Empire, and trying to figure out, are they better off sticking with their allies or going off on their own? And you get a lot of that kind of back and forth with the people, and that sleazy sender, Ta, I believe is his Mm. name, really big, fat, blue dude. And it gets really interesting when you have more of the Bad Batch come in and they basically set up the Syndulas to appear to be traitors against the Empire. 
So that was kind of like the cool twist for me, which I didn't expect. I thought it would be a cookie cutter thing of the Sindulas would discover the Empire is evil and decide we're going to turn against it and become a united part of the rebellion. It's like instead the Empire kind of preemptively screwed them over in this really intense way that I thought was super cool. I feel like the Empire does that a lot, but it's just I just I do enjoy seeing that side of you know how awful they are. I know that sounds really weird, but you know like just seeing how no, definitely how they interact with each planet. I kind of feel like they could have gone about it a different way where they could have created more peace. But again, it's a regime, so I'm sure they don't really care. They just have power. And it kind of reminded me of the early episodes, which you watched with uh, Tarkin, and how it really highlights just the brutality of the Empire. Like, that's what I love when the series explores that. And the only thing that threw me off with the episode was Hera's accent. So I totally forgot about this from Rebels. But you know how she has, like, a normal, like, just, well, classical American accent in Rebels? She had, like, a, a really... I, I believe it was more of a French accent, which I, I forget that there was that little scene where she kind in Rebels where she kind of reverted to her Ryloth accent at one point and went from more of English to French. And I was looking up some things online about it, and they were saying how Dave Filoni and George Lucas wanted each of the planets to theoretically have their own accents that kind of emulate ones we counter in the real world, and that that is meant to have a French accent for that planet but it just totally threw me off yeah i would not have expected her to have that and yeah i'm i'm kind of excited to i guess see that this episode sounds interesting let me hear about the next one so the next one is back to the usual form for bad batch which if you like it awesome it's just not really our thing um they come back and oh the Sid, yes. Sid is basically taken away from her sort of crime syndicate position by this other this other alien who's kind of joining up and trying to break into the spice trade with the Pikes. Now, I mean, I do love crime syndicate stuff, but this wasn't necessarily... It, it didn't really scratch that itch for me. Kind of like we mentioned before about Solo how we really love exploration of the crime syndicates. This is more of a, hey, our f- Omega is saying that our friend is captured. We need to go save her. The little girl is, is right. We must listen to the little girl, and they just go save her. And it's it, it was just an, like a fetch quest, basically. Uh, it didn't end up turning like a Witcher quest where you know it was really good. It didn't turn to a Witcher quest where, like, the unborn child became, like, a ghoulish monster, and then you have to throw it in the oven. That's an actual Witcher quest, people. It's pretty great. Since we're on the topic of Star Wars, Gary, have you seen the Comic-Con poster where Grogu and Luke are forming a yellow lightsaber? Yes. When I saw that, at first, I don't know if you thought the same thing. I thought for sure that was a fan-made thing. I'm like, this is definitely not from Disney. I definitely thought it was fan-made, but then I saw it was like the official poster, and that got me all hyped. Grogu with the yellow lightsaber, that's pretty cool, in my opinion. Do you think this is their way of teasing that Luke and Grogu are going to come back in the new season? Oh, for sure. I think it's teasing that Luke's going to train Grogu, and... And then I don't know what else is going to happen other than that specifically. 
Which, like, I just wonder if that entails, like, Luke being a main part of the Mandalorian series now, of him becoming kind of a main character. Or we're going to get, like, little snapshots of Grogu training and, like, bumbling around with his lightsaber. I don't know, because there's a recent article going around right now about how Disney hired a YouTuber who made deepfakes of Luke that had better CGI than the CGI in the last episode of The Mandalorian. So I'm wondering if they're Mm. going to do more Luke and baby Yoda stuff because of them hiring this guy. Which, okay, I'm torn on on that. Uh, Part of me loves the idea of exploring Luke, kind of making this new Jedi Academy, and what Luke does between Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens. But another part of me is afraid of it being just constant creepy uncanny valley. You know? Nothing's going to get worse than Polar Express. And if it's not Polar Express bad, then I will be okay. <laughs> Dude, the elves in Polar Express, I still have nightmares about them. Them and Oompa Loompa scared the living hell out of me. I just, my, my dad loves that movie and wants to watch it around Christmas time. And I just like, I'm on my phone the whole time because I can't. <laughs> yeah yeah so i don't know it's a it's a trade-off maybe i guess with more exposure on screen like it becomes less uncanny valley like we get used to it i i I don't know i just think it's cool that someone from youtube got hired by disney because he did such a good job like that i don't know for i guess as a podcaster create person who's into creating things that's just cool to know that your stuff on the internet can get noticed by these big companies and you can end up with the job. You don't have to know someone to know someone to have to sleep with someone to get into this position. <laughs> uh, holding back position jokes. But yes, that that is kind of dope. That is really dope. The other thing that I noticed online, since this is, I feel like this is like a nerdy nugget section that we should just go off of, is did you see the video with Deadpool and Korg? I didn't. Okay. Spoil that for Okay, me. so it's this weird meta trailer. I mean, it's Deadpool, so obviously it's meta. But it's him with Korg, and they're doing like a fan reaction video of a trailer. And it's actually just him reacting to his new movie, Free, Free Guy, I think, or Fall Guy or whatever it is. I'm not sure off the top of my head. But it's another Ryan Reynolds movie. It's kind of, it looks like... um. Uh, like a mix between Pokemon, his Pokemon movie, P- uh, Detective Pikachu, and the what's the one movie where they um, they go into Ready Player One? Sorry, it looks like a mix between Ready Ready Player okay. One and Detective Pikachu. Oh yeah, that upcoming movie where he's basically an NPC. Yes, exactly, and. So the whole time they're like, you know, going over and Korg's making these corny jokes and Deadpool's, you know, telling him to shut up. And then at the end, um, Deadpool's like, so what do I do to kind of get into the MCU? And Korg's like, you have to have all your dreams crushed. And then maybe just then Disney will contact you and you can get into a movie. (laughs) But actually, that's our dream. So I, I thought it was funny. And also like, it's kind of this. I guess slight introduction of Ryan Reynolds into the MCU, even if it's just a commercial for something that's not even Marvel related. 
I'm just wondering if they're going to turn Deadpool into the new cameo guy for MCU movies. Like, they, I think they've teased that before, or at least fans have. I think they're actually going to do, with with the multiverse, and I'm really excited to get into, we're going to have a section in this podcast where we talk about what season six of Loki kind of does for the future of MCU. But just for a little bit right now, I think, um, kind of teasing that conversation, because we get the multiverse, this opens up Disney to allow them to do R-rated stuff. And that means that that's how they're going to introduce Deadpool and Blade and Moon Knight and so on and so forth. That's more darker and more darker. It is darker and, um, <laughs> you know, bloodier, gorier, a uh, little risque. I, I didn't think about that, but yeah, it doesn't offer opportunities. We have to talk about that a hell of a lot more, but Dude, are you ready to give me a little bit of Black Widow? Yes. So I've seen Black Widow twice, and neither time I fell asleep. So I can give an adequate, <laughs> adequate, uh, what's the word? Review. Um, so first, where would I rank it on my list? I actually thought about this and started to put uh, down like that all 20, I think it's 28 now, including the Disney Plus TV shows. And haven't finalized the list, but... I'm going to say that it's better than Captain Marvel and Iron Man 3 and Hulk, but, like, not as great as the Avengers or Iron Man or even, like, Ant-Man and the Wasp and Guardian of the Galaxy. I don't know. Does that mean... Like, it's bottom to lower tier. Okay. I'm going to give you some movies and get give me a... Which is better or worse? Iron Man 2 or Black Widow? Uh, Black Widow. Guardians 2 or Black Guardians Widow? Guardians 2. Thor 2 or Black Widow? Well, that's arguably the worst movie ever of MCU. So, <laughs> uh, Black Widow. Uh, Age of Ultron or Black Widow? Age of Ultron. Really? Yeah, I did. I did not like Age of Ultron that much. I dislike Age of Ultron just because they messed up Ultron. Um, but, I mean, you got the... You get some cool scenes. You get the introduction of a lot of great characters and whatnot. And there's just like, if you like want to break it down piece by piece, there's, I think Ultron's a better movie than Black Widow. Okay. Okay. So yeah, like lower tier, but not Thor dark world level. Right. Not Hulk bad either. There no. is, there is things okay. that are Hulk and Thor dark world tier bad though. Like, I'll just say it right now. Again, we're getting into spoilers, so if you haven't watched Black Widow or you plan to watch Black Widow, pause it or skip ahead until we're done talking about it. Um, The one thing that disappoints me the most about this movie is how they treated Taskmaster. Taskmaster is one of the coolest villains in Marvel. I mean, there's a lot of of great villains, don't get me wrong, but as like a perfect villain to fight Black Widow, they totally botched that character um okay can you break down taskmaster uh, ah, i can't say words can you break down that dude for our listeners here like what's he in the comic sense he is a mercenary uh i'm blanking on his name right now guys i'm doing this all off the top of my head and things that i can remember anyway he's a mercenary he's an ultimate tactician like strategist what he does is he mimics characters fighting styles voices um 
weaponry and is able to use that against them so that let's say like you throw one punch if you try to throw that punch again he has unlimited amount of combos to counteract that and so it's very very difficult for people to fight him um the only person that really can kind of defeat him with because uh taskmaster won't you know, copy his moves is Moon Knight because Moon Knight will take a hit and will get stabbed and then still beat up the guy. And Taskmaster doesn't have the you know the power to like heal from getting stabbed by a knife and whatnot. And and he's more of like an Avengers villain than like just Black it, Widow yes. too. So he theoretically can handle a hell of a lot more power than just yeah. He, and just the the fact that like he's this ultimate strategist and. You know they're they're always talking about how like he can mimic anyone's voice. So like he's very good at confusing you. He's very good at getting underneath your skin and just you know copycatting everything and all that you do. So in the movie they do show Taskmaster, quote unquote Taskmaster. Um, they do show him studying different Avenger moves and there's different times where he uses certain moves where it's like, Oh, okay. That's clearly black Panthers thing. Oh, okay. That's clearly Hawkeye's thing. Ah, no, no, that's, that's captain America or black widow. But I think they could have done so much more. And I tweeted out with the old, the multiverse opening up. Hopefully we'll get the real taskmaster. Like that's just how uh, piss poor of a job. I think they did like the, the MCU, generally does an okay job introducing their their villains a lot of times they die too fast unless it's like loki or thanos um but and then and like i guess the way the reason i'm like really upset is because we've gotten wandavision and falcon and winter soldier where and even loki where there's like variants or costumes that are you know on par exactly like you know what happens in the comic books i mean Falcon Winter Soldier, you have where he gets, you know, introduced just like kind of in the comics with the same suit. And then we get Taskmaster like this. I get the whole point of like why it's a huge switch. It's like the, the biggest twist of the story. So I don't know if you want me to ruin that for you, Gary. But no, please do. But like the out of all the things that Marvel has done right, that is one of the biggest ones that I that doesn't sit well with me. Interesting. Do you think, though, your view of it was kind of thrown off by the timing of release? Because obviously this was meant to come right after Endgame is kind of mm-hmm. a like send-off for Black Widow. And we are now, it's being released while we're inundated with a lot of Marvel content. Like, really good Marvel no, content as well. No, I don't even think it's that. Because like, the, the, like, the fight scenes are really, really great. Like the act, the choreography is awesome. Um, even the the subplot of like family was really touching, and the Red Guardian was really good. That's um, Hopper the, from Stranger Things. That's that actor, um, and I'm excited for the actress that's going to play Yolana, which is going to be like the next Black Widow. Like the the movie was good. It's like a it's a it's I would say it's an averagely good. MCU movie that's just like uh, I don't know I guess I had too high expectations for Taskmaster just because I know how awesome movie character he is and okay so here's the thing what does Black Widow do we've always heard about you know the Budapest story a Budapest thing that they always are talking about and so they they kind of address it Um, and 
she has to black widow has to before she can defect from shield she has to kill the guy who makes the red room or the black widows because just like any other character the name isn't actually the person's name it's like the symbol so like black widow is a group of people that are russian spies and so um they kind of explore that in the movie and for her to defect she sends in the Drakoff's daughter and when the daughter gets in there she blows up the building and so black widow essentially kills thinks that she kills Drakoff, the the guy who created the red room but actually kills her daughter which like that opens up like whole another thing of like we need to talk about how like she's always talking about there's like blood on my ledger and how that's the that's the how she had to defect from shield that's a pretty brutal thing that she had to do she killed a girl wait so who did whose daughter did he kill uh the guy who created the red room okay and essentially she didn't kill the guy who created the red room and she didn't kill the daughter the daughter got like saved and becomes like this robot half like man half machine thing that is taskmaster Hmm. Yeah, did it... How did it portray that, or did it change it all the way they portrayed Black Widow's past? Because they really portray it as, oh, she has a very dark and seedy past. Did they get that across? Oh, uh, yeah. She literally had to kill a man's daughter to get away from this guy so that she can go to S.H.I.E.L.D. Like, she blew up a building okay. with a young girl in it. Like, uh, I don't know, that... To me, when after I watched it the second time, I was like, "Damn, like that's what you had to do to prove yourself, prove that you're no longer under control from the Russians." I mean, yeah, I'd say that's decent enough, but it's also not like it's it's not bad enough that your view of the characters change, though, right? Like you still view her as a hero. I do, and and she goes into. Because her sister Yolanda uh, um, uh, constantly is teasing her the whole time about, well, not teasing her, but also calling out, calling her out for not going back for her or thinking that she's this hero when in reality she's got just as much like blood on, you know, her hands as as her as her sister does. And um, the the number one thing is she's constantly making fun of Black Widow's poses, like when she when she poses, like when she falls or does the superhero landing, um, she's always making fun of it and calls her a poser any single time that black widow does it. So it's, it, that that's funny. Okay. And the movie has it's Marvel humor. Some of it lands, some of it doesn't. A lot of it's are generally around the family and them cracking family jokes. So it adds to that whole family subplot thing. But at the same time, there's sometimes I'm like, eh, I don't know. Each time you say family, I just keep on thinking of the TikTok trend with frickin' Vin yep, Diesel. Dom, just coming in. Yes. Um, <laughs> so the the I guess I was I liked how they addressed the Budapest thing, but I also didn't like they didn't really kind of talk about how Hawkeye was involved. They they said that you know they had to hide out and fight the Turkish, you know government for a while before they could escape but the the only thing that they really really explored was her blowing up that building that's like the only thing they really explored hmm. was okay how much hawkeye involvement was in the movie um you see his arrow holes and a and a wall 
and then there's the huge posting credit at the end, and that's basically it. Okay, so not too much. The main question I I had or thought I had before I wanted to see the movie was, is this actually... Because, okay, maybe I'll take a step back. So a lot of the MCU movies seem to add more to the universe each and every time. Like, building up towards a main event, like such as Infinity War and Thanos. Since this is kind of a backtracking movie, do you feel like it's still added to the MCU kind of as a uh, Yes, completely. Not in the multiverse sense, but definitely in a forming of a group sense. The... Um you gotta watch. You gotta watch Falcon and Winter Soldier to really understand what we're talking about. But you know, uh, Valentina, the the lady with the purple hair. Um, so I'm just gonna spoil the post scene credit for you guys. I also have a couple other things that I want to bring up. Um, so and then I can't wait for you to see it so that we can kind of really discuss it. But the post post scene credit is Yelena at Black Widow's grave. So it's, it is kind of touching. She gets her own you know funeral. Although it's just like, I feel like it's symbolic it's just her sister um and then valentina is there kind of like sniffling and she's like i have you know uh, another assignment for you so just like how she hired us agent she's hiring her and but her assignment and this is where the i was talking about with the black the hawkeye thing is that she's going to go after the man who killed her sister which is hot which is hawkeye hmm. and so they just show a picture of him and that's the end. Interesting. So they're essentially setting up, I think, the Thunderbolts for a few reasons. And the Thunderbolts is basically the Suicide Squad, or but like take Avengers characters and just flip them into a bad way. So like in the beginning, General Ross is chasing Black Widow, and he looks very sick. And General Ross in the comics turns into the Red Hulk. Um, you also have other characters like Taskmaster who joins. Uh, you have a you know Delana who or like a, a Black Widow who joins Hawkeye leads it sometimes and then you have, um, you know U.S. Agent and other characters. So she is definitely forming this new group that is going to be evil, going to do something. I don't know what, and that's the that's that's how I'm answering. How is it expanding the MCU? That's that in that way. Okay, okay, and. Maybe the Thunderbolts could be another Avengers level threat. Maybe they're going to be kind of like a suicide squad, like you mentioned. It's an interesting idea. And I, I like the idea of Red Hulk being included in there as well and expanding a little bit of the Hulk mythos because that's kind of been neglected. For sure. I, I hope they do a little bit more. I think they're going to do that a lot in the She Hulk series, though. Okay, so some other things from Black Widow that I want to just talk about um, and then some theories questions i had um first the the whole thing is them finding the red room them stopping it as a family uh and drakov has like this chemical that doesn't allow his black widows to attack him and the way to stop it is he has you have to sever the nerve that goes like right between like the eyes and the nose so what she does when Black Widow's confronting um, him, she has him punch him in the face a couple of times. And, and like she's talking and it's like, you didn't actually do it. And so one of the most badass move moments of the movie, she takes her like hands and on the table and just slams her head into the table and breaks her nose, severing the nerve there. 
so that she can actually start fighting the guy and ending up like to hopefully kill him. It was, and I'm like, that is so cool. That is really cool. But as someone who does PT for the face and has broken his nose, that is not a. Oh, thing. I know, I know. I was I, when I was when I was <laughs> I was thinking. I was like, what nerve are they talking about? But essentially, like, I'm like, I like the trigeminal nerve. You're not gonna just break your nose and be like, hell yeah. But she smacked the ever living crap of, out of her forehead and nose on the table, and I'm like, that's that's just a badass moment. It was really cool. That is pretty great. Um. Other things that really need to be kind of addressed that is more of like a whole MCU thing is the Red Guardian often keeps on talking about how he's fought Captain America. And he asks uh, Black Widow, Scarlett Johansson character, if he ever's mentioned him before. And I don't know, just kind of thinking, because one of the one of the characters, and he's in the he's in prison when you meet him. And so one of the characters is doing, and he's just like arm wrestling the whole time and he's beating a bunch of guys. And one of them sits down. And he's like, I don't know how understand how you've caught Captain America when he was in ice, which is true during that time. Cause, cause uh, the red guardian answers like, Oh, I've, his name is Alexi. I've fought him in the eighties or something like that. So you're thinking, how did he actually fight Captain America? Which goes back to the fact that maybe Captain America, when he went back in time and stayed with Peggy, was actually doing stuff. wasn't just like living his life on the sides, but was was going on missions with Peggy and fighting. And so, during the Cold War, during the eighties, when you know there whatever wherever was going on, the Red Guardian legitimately did fight Captain America. That's a theory that I'm- I like that idea. I like that idea a lot, and it fits with MCU. I mean, comic wise, there was a another Captain America while, I mean, Steve Rogers was frozen in ice that they had to kind of write off because his comics were complete ass. But that's beside the point. But I like the idea of Steve Rogers. Basically, he goes back in time and still actually is doing stuff as Captain America. Yes. So that is, um, and then I guess the last thing that's kind of important is all the Black Widows that are in the Red Room get like the they're no longer chemically bound to serving the main villain because there's like this serum that when sprayed in the air breaks them from this control and so now there's like 20 black widows just kind of running around and they all come back at the end and now yelena is there looking to be like their leader so i'm wondering if marvel's gonna have this like undercover black widow group going out doing things that's the last I have of Black Widow. It's a good movie. The first time I watched it, I didn't really enjoy it, but uh, on the second watch, it's good if you can get past the whole Taskmaster thing. Yeah, I'm going to have to see it because MCU, I'm just like one of those lazy people who's waiting for it to be free on Disney+. Plus. That's fine. Um, yeah, and, and again, you have the really cute sentiment of now that black widow has two families the avengers who she's going to go save at the end and her russian family yeah and do you think it was a good send-off for the character sure i don't know (laughs) (laughs) i mean it's not as epic as like endgame send-off but like 
it's still good to see Black Widow get her own movie. She should have gotten her own movie a long-ass time ago. I'm sorry. And that's all Ike Peterman's fault. But um, if you're looking for some MCU non-movie lord, look up that guy and how much of a douchebag. We would have gotten Black Panther earlier. We would have gotten Captain Marvel earlier, which would have made a whole lot more sense in Endgame and whatnot. We would have gotten a Black Widow movie, but we didn't because of him. So... Is the movie necessary? Yeah, I think Black Widow needs a movie, but it should have came out at a different time. Yeah, the timing of it is definitely off, and obviously COVID affected it a ton, and just the timing of the Disney Plus shows. It It isn't an opportune moment for her to get really a spotlight, because I don't think that character really got the spotlight right now, because everyone's thinking about the show that we're currently going to be talking about soon, Loki. And I, I think that show deserves all the attention it gets because it's been phenomenal. Granted, dude, I have to ask because when you watched the episode before me and you're like, man, I, I just don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. What are your thoughts on the season finale? We're going to get into spoilers, by the way, guys. I really like Loki. I like what it does. I like what it sets up. I do think that the kind of the season finale in itself uh how do i want to say this when i first originally watched it it was slightly a letdown but after i saw some fan theories after i saw some people kind of breaking it down what they were doing it in itself kind of flipped on your head what you thought was going to happen and then it just expanded the mcu in such a way that i didn't even think would be possible and i'm really really excited about it What what do you think I, I really enjoyed it. Like, I enjoyed the series as a whole. I enjoyed what it set up for the MCU. I even enjoyed the romance between Loki and Sylvie. I know you're not a huge fan of that. But I've determined, okay, there is... People who liked that romance are the same people who think Kylo and Rey are great. And I am definitely 5,000% in the pro-Kylo and Rey kind of camp. Pro-Raylo all the I'm way. I'm not against that. And so I'm like, you're not against it, but you're not as for it as me. Like, literally, I went the next day after the release on Twitter, and there was a million, like, Raylo and Sylvie and Loki things together. Like, that's the fan base of nerds that they're attacking. I, it's just, it's just weird. It's like, it it is incest to me. Like, yes, they did live different lives and they're supposed to be separate people, but it's only Loki, only Loki would fall in love with himself. (laughs) That's why I love it. Only Loki would be so self-absorbed. He'd fall in love with himself. Plus also, okay, let, let me see. Didn't the, an actual North, more like, ah, an actual Norse mythology is like Loki had sex with a lot of people, gods, goddesses, and things. Like, didn't he have sex with a wolf to make Fenrir? Like, Loki has been around. Oh, definitely. Yes, I don't. I am not well versed in the North North myth, uh, mythology, but um, Norse. Anyway, words. Um, but yes, I know. I do know that. Like, how Marvel has broken down who's related to who is completely wrong to the real mythology. Actually, I'm correcting myself. Loki had sex with a giant woman for Fenrir, but he did have sex with a horse in Norse mythology. 
So I'm like, okay, we have an MCU character who is grossly self-absorbed. We have him based off a mythology of a god who had sex with a horse. This really isn't too far off base. I saw someone who's like, the people who are overreacting about the Loki Sylvie thing are definitely people who weren't on Tumblr during like 2008 to 2012 or whenever it stopped. And then went to proceed to like all the awful things they saw on Tumblr. And I'm like, yep, I can't understand why you don't think this is as bad. (laughs) Yeah. And anybody who's been around like fandoms knows there's a lot of shipping that's just unnecessary. Like, like absolutely unnecessary. Like people, Avatar, the last airbender fans, they're freaking 12 years old. You need to stop. Exactly. But so I I thought the season finale was good. Um, for those of you who don't know, Loki and Sylvie get into the Citadel and they meet He Who Remains, which is a Vang or Kang variant. I want to say a Vang variant, but that you know, Pig Latin. <laughs> and then um, the it's more of a chill episode. Like he discusses and kind of it's more of like this philosophical talk on why he does what he does. And I love that he just kind of is like, yeah, maybe it's not the right choice. I don't really care. You should get over yourself though, Sylvie. Yeah. It's, it's less heavy in the action, but still very suspenseful. Cause you like, cause no real action is good. And that's where I feel like this is perfect for Loki to be the one that kind of sparks the multiverse because he's such a gray character between that villain to hero kind of position that it's just perfect that this kind of set it up. And I mean, what he who remains or Kang the Conqueror sets up is just kind of an impossible conundrum to fix. Yes, Uh, we'll get into it. We'll explain that really quickly. But Gary, I want to say... Loki did not set up the multiverse or did not open the multiverse. It actually, I mean, it actually is WandaVision I mean, who did, Wanda who does that. Cause if you think about it, um, Disney has come out and said that this that last episode of WandaVision happens at this last same time as the last episode of Loki. And when Kang is talking, um, you know, so Kang creates a loop, a huge circle, and that is the universe. So that's why when they go into the, the TVA goes back in time, they're just going to one, you know, that that back in time into that one universe. So they're not going to other ones before it branches off, yada, yada, yada. Anyway, it starts to break and fall apart before Sylvie kills him, which means but that, that scene where he's like, I no longer know what I'm doing. I don't know any more of the past. Like, the, I don't know what's happening in the future because like this is the point. That point is when Wanda accepts her powers and realizes that she is a Scarlet Witch and she's going to go and find her children. Like that's the exact moment. And then Sylvie kills him. Yes, I have seen that fan theory and let me break that down for some people here. So yeah, like justice said, if you time WandaVision and the episode of Loki, the exact moments in the episode by the second fits where he who remains or King the Conqueror says, I no longer know what's going on from this point on. And Scarlet Witch kind of forms or Wanda accepts her role as Scarlet Witch. Then a lot of the fans are like, okay, that moment with Scarlet Witch is the Nexus event that sparked all the timelines to split. 
Like, that event is what caused all the chaos to happen. And that Sylvie killing he who remains is merely just the nail in the coffin saying, okay, now we murdered off the guy who is the only one holding this back. Right. So, because in the episode, you have Kang, and he he explains his backstory, which is he's this guy from the 30th century, and he understands, in the comics, Kang is able to travel to different timelines and not create like a, an, a nexus event. And he's super smart and he's got this like alloy material can, who can like help him sustain and survive. And, um, but in the episode, he's just like this philosophical philosopher who is wearing a robe and just like is kind of lost his mind. And he, he's gotten to the point where he wanted to find people who would be willing to either kill him or, or take over his role as the person keeping the TVA and this one timeline uh, going. And I, I thought it was very interesting that he was like, yeah, I'm kind of done doing this. But I did like, and I think that like this is like obviously the whole point of the episode, is you have these two options. You can kill Kang, which is going to unleash other Kangs, and he's apparently not the worst king. There's going to be even worse ones who want to conquer the Earth and destroy it and be an evil tyrant or you can kill me and you can rule how you want to rule and the when i think about that i'm like that those are two cool concepts but then that in itself is loki and sylvie like loki is one of those versions where i don't think like 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 they're 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 opposites like he says something along the lines of like um you can't trust me and i'm not trustworthy and so like then then them themselves are these two different options and it's like as well and i love that that's like one of the best parts of the whole episode yeah it's interesting and it's weird because they kind of switch roles and well i don't know if switch roles but they essentially signify loki being what's the one wanting order and sylvie being the one wanting chaos or loki wanting that sovereign overlord kind of position for the sake of consistency and Sylvie wanting just free. I don't letter. know if he wants the or like the the over, the overlord position. I think he just wants her to think it through to make sure that they understand the consequences of mm. when of of what's going on, which is something that I think is a huge character development in Loki because from going from like a week ago where he would have you know tried to rule the earth with the infinity stones and then tries to kill Thanos too hey, why don't we think about what our actions are going to cause and the people we're going to hurt because I care about you and I care about Mobius. I think that's a huge, huge difference in his character development. No, I, I agree with you on that. And I think the lines where he says, like, I didn't want a throne. I just wanted you to be okay. Like, that was the main, like, pinnacle for him as a character in that moment. And I'd say that it goes not just for he wanted Sylvie to be okay, but, like, Loki's base motivation isn't that he wants to rule. is that he wants to be okay. Is that he's grossly insecure and wants something to make him feel okay. Right. Yeah, and so I, after thinking about this and thinking about what's going on, and I can't wait to kind of talk about like the future MCU stuff and how the opening of the multiverse is going to just really change things. Um, the one thing that I didn't, I don't think I liked the episode, and until someone explained it to me online, uh, was so 
Loki and Sylvia are fighting, which is a it's a good scene. And I didn't like how to get to Kang, she kisses Loki, kind of flips the spot, and then she uses a temp pad and pushes him through and then stabs Kang. Now, what I didn't understand was at this point, the multiverse had already opened, had already just like spread wide. And I probably was stupid for not realizing this. So when she used the temp pad and pushed him through, Loki you know, awakens and there's Mobius and I think it's B-15 or B-Hunter 42. I can't remember which one. Um, and they don't recognize Loki. And I was really, really confused by that. But, you know, the reason they don't remember him is because since the multiverse has opened up and has now, you know, there's so many different, you know, variables going on, she didn't push him back into the same multiverse, the same universe. She pushed him into a different one. So that's why they have no idea who this Loki is. Yeah, I either, I interpreted it as either, well, more likely that they pushed him into another multiverse or that essentially Kang had already taken over the TVA within just that short of a span. Like just having that many variants of Kang caused it to immediately have the TVA become controlled by an evil. Right. Variant. Cause when you're looking at the, the statues, because before they're kind of faceless creatures in the TVA, it turns into a Kang and you're kind of like, oh crap. And then, the, you know, the one thing that I do appreciate is that this is the only Disney plus series that they're giving a second season and it totally is worthy of and deserves a second season. And I'm excited to see where they go because they set up, um, what, it, who's Mobius's boss? I can't remember her name, but she, I think it's cool. Even though she's kind of annoying, she goes and she's searching for free will. That's a cool concept to the idea to go and search for free will. Like what is free will? Um, I think I'm excited to, to go and watch her on her journey, even though she's an annoying character. Yeah, they definitely set it up for another season and there's answers that need to be given to fans about Loki and Sylvie what the heck's going to happen to these two characters now? And there's plenty they can explore within them. Right, so should we get into the how is Loki going to affect the future of the MCU? Yes, because it's going to be a lot. Right. Um, so let's start with Doctor Strange. We already know that Wanda is going to be in Doctor Strange. We know she's going to be looking for her kids. And we know it's going to be a horror movie because Sam Raimi's doing it. And it's apparently being reported that Loki is going to show up in it at some point. So I have a feeling that I kind of think it's going to be like Doctor Strange jumping from multiverse to multiverse. And it's going to be a horror film. And we're going to kind of see like the ugliness of the multiverse through the, like different versions of the MCU. That there is a possibility. I do think, though, they're toning down the horror elements a little bit. Because they originally had the director from Sinister, who was like, I want to make this absolutely freaking terrifying. Anybody who's seen Sinister knows that. And they're like, eh, nah, nah, nah. So they bring in Sam Raimi, who does have a lot of great horror experience, but is also equally, if not greater, well-known for his time on Spider-Man trilogy. Hey, man. Ash vs. the Evil Dead is great. I haven't seen that one. I have seen The Evil Dead, and it is weird, but I'm kind of into it. He's got this great sense of horror and humor, and so that's why I think it works. it's going to work for Marvel. 
I think it'll work, but I like I have a feeling it's gonna be more thriller type ish than horror. Or like as horror as like Eliath is within the Loki series. I feel like that's as horror like that they have the balls no, to go to. I think it's I I'm hoping Disney just says fuck it and just does it. <laughs> I, I no, I agree with you. I totally hope that's the case, but I also know they don't have the cajones. Okay. Yeah, they have they have enough money to not do well in one one movie because because children oh, no. can go and see it. Don't get me wrong; they have more. They have enough money to like buy my soul, sell it back, and then buy it again. But I I highly doubt they'll go balls to the wall. How much does a soul cost, Gary? Mine is at least like at least three fifty. Okay but all right next movie but it but with dr strange though i want to talk about that because i do think um loki's gonna definitely be more of a part of it than we'd think or at least have some sort of cameo they're gonna have to bring wanda's kids in and they're gonna be eventually my prediction is they're gonna be part of a young avengers is probably my thoughts is they're gonna bring those in for that and it's gonna there's a lot that you can explore story-wise even beyond that. Like you have, I know they've already done the Spider-Verse a little bit, but you can go into like Spider-Geddon. You can go into the Ultimate Universe. You can talk about like Fantastic Four and the Maker. There's so much within Multiverse that's available to them. Oh, for sure. They have a lot. And I feel like we're just going to get more and more and more stories because everything is opening up. Now, for Spider-Man, it's. I think I feel like this is pretty self-explanatory. With the multiverse opening up, this is how we're gonna get for sure Doctor Octopus from Spider-Man Two, and Jamie Fox from Amazing Spider-Man Two, which have already been confirmed. But then this also would explain how we're gonna get Andrew Garfield and to- Tobey Maguire, which technically haven't been confirmed, but it would be really dumb for people to say that they're not gonna be in it. But that's just what you know. There's not. I don't think there's really much else to go into that other than this is what. Because of the multiverse opening up, this just is easily, you know, as a thing. Didn't they also tease what was in the Morbius trailer? Kind of some connections to with MCU as well. Right. So maybe I have a feeling that Kevin Feige has got all this on planned and, ha- and has been working in the background for a many of years thinking of through all these kind of things because he's just that kind of dude. Yeah, there's a lot they could go into there. And I do have a feeling, if not in the next Spider-Man movie, at some point, they're going to tease a Miles Morales. I sure hope so, man. His fame, I hope so, and his popularity as a character has skyrocketed. And eventually, they're going to not have Tom Holland, and they're going to want somebody to scratch our little Spidey itch. And it's going to be Miles Morales. My comic book claim to fame is I have the first ever Miles Morales comic and it's my precious. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know you had that one. That's actually yep, really dope. Ultimate Fallout 4. It is worth a crap ton of money. Anyway, um, like Gary mentioned earlier with this whole Monteverse thing, we're going to get the Young Avengers most likely because we'll have Wiccan and Speed, which are Wanda's kids. And then they also introduced, you know, uh, I think ha- Kid, Kid Loki. Loki. Haley Steinfeld is playing like a young version of Hawkeye, a female Hawkeye, and then um, we have 
I'm assuming, um, what is her name? What is Iron Man's, uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s girl's name? Morgan would probably be like an Iron Lady. They're doing Ironheart. There's Miss Marvel. There's a lot of young um, characters that could be in Young Avengers. And I don't know like the whole history behind it, but apparently Iron Lad is the guy who becomes Kang and he is the one who leads the Young Avengers. So it's like this whole weird multiverse time travel story that I don't have time to explain, but that's a thing apparently. Well, and like the, any explanation of Kang is really convoluted because there's so many different Kangs. The history is so old. There's Kang, there's a mortis as he who remains is it's just exactly. And if you think about it, we're going to get three Kangs. We'll have a Kang in, you know, Loki season two. We'll have a Kang in Young Avengers, and then we'll have a Kang in Ant-Man and the Wasp and the Quant or in Quantumania. Like we're getting a lot of Kangs, and I just saw like a like an article right before we started podcasting that there's multiple actors who are playing Kang because apparently it sounds like there's mm. so many Kangs now. So the fact that Kang we know for sure is in Loki, and we know for sure is in Ant-Man and the Wasp, it does further the theory that the TVA is in the quantum realm. Which I love that theory to begin with, but I do like I really think that the TVA they're eventually going to say is in the quantum realm. Maybe who knows? But the last thing that this kind of opens up, which I think this is far fetched, but I still wrote it down because it's something is a Secret Wars movie, which is essentially just a bunch of superheroes fighting their variant version superhero, and that's how you get your multiverse war, and we'll get a multiverse war movie. I don't think that's that far-fetched, dude. I think that that's actually something that could be happening. Um, I would say it's not going to be as convoluted as the comic version where they basically like destroyed the Ultimate Universe. But I think they're definitely setting up for something like that. Because also, I believe it was the Russo brothers, this could be completely wrong and I'm pulling it out of my ass, said they wouldn't come back for a Marvel movie unless it was Secret Wars. So maybe I think it's actually a good possibility. Hopefully, that'd be cool. Secret Wars was a cool event. I just like when they mess with Marvel and change up the status quo in the comics, because comics has been around for an odd number of years, and so you got to do something new every once in a while. Yes, yes, you do. Speaking of comics, do we have a comic of the week for this week, Justice? Oh, uh, we do. Um, we are going to talk about. God Country, which is written by one of my favorite writers, Donnie Cates. Gary, have you heard of Donnie Cates before? I have not, Justice. Who is this fellow? He is an exclusive writer for Marvel, question mark, kind of. He also writes a lot of image stuff. He just finished his Venom run, for those of you who don't know. And this is a joke. Like We always talk about Donnie Cates. But he's got... Yeah, you constantly talk about him all I know, the time. But he's got... A lot of image books coming out. Crossover, uh, Baby Teeth. And his new comic book publisher coming out, right. too. Yeah, so he's got Crossover, Baby Teeth, Redneck. Um, there's another one I can't remember. But either way, he's got a lot of stuff coming out. But God Country is kind of what put Donny Cates on the map. And there's only six issues of it. It's very easy to go pick up at a comic book store and get the trade. I believe it's going to be a movie or a TV show. So if you are one of those people that like to 
read the source material before it comes out. I highly recommend it because it is very good. It is. And one of the things that I actually really liked about this is since it's his first work and I've kind of followed him all wrong his, you know, from the beginning, it's cool going back and seeing how much he's improved with his writing. Not that it's bad writing, but it's definitely like uh, young Donny Cates, different writing style, and he's definitely improved. So that was kind of cool just to see that. The story is um, this small family in Texas where the there is a grandfather who has Alzheimer's and he, it's getting really bad to the point where he's hurting police officers when they're trying to restrain him. And his son moves his, his wife and his kid to their grandfather's place to help him. And the wife is not having it because the grandfather is angry and belligerent and just kind of just this mean dude because he doesn't know who he is or who anyone else is because Alzheimer's is a terrible disease. And randomly this storm comes through, rips up their house and this demon pops out. And the also at the same time, this really long blade, like if you've ever seen an anime, how they have 12 to 22 inch long blades shows up and the blade's name me too <laughs> shows up and its name is Valifax, <laughs> which is the God of blades. And he controls all blades and knows where every single war is happening throughout the whole galaxy and is the one that is like, I guess, governing over all wars and whatnot. And he chooses this grandfather. And when he holds the sword, he no longer has Alzheimer's. And so it's this really touching story about family because the, like the granddaughter is able to go and you know, hang out with her grandpa a couple of times. But so as, as like this is happening, the guy who created. So what you're saying is he's rejuvenated when he grabs his 22 inch blade. He just needs to really firmly grasp it in his hands. Oh, Gary, I'm glad you're editing this one. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. So like the, the story is fairly, a fairly simple one. The guy who created, the sword is this evil tyrant from another galaxy and he sends his sons to go and get this return retrieve the sword and the grandfather doesn't want to give up the blade because he doesn't want to lose his memories of his wife and his kids and um his granddaughter so he ends up going on this quest and fighting the evil tyrant's sons and then eventually fighting this evil tyrant and I don't want to spoil it because it's really a really good and touching story, but that is God Country. If you're looking for a short story that's got family, it's got really long swords, it's got action and um, gods involved, this is definitely right up your alley, especially because it's going to become a TV show. Hmm. What kind of, okay, what kind of comparison would you give it? Like, to something else in pop culture, it's you would say it's similar to this or has elements of this. Mm, thinking. Um, I, oh man. That's a tough question with comics because comics are convoluted AF and they tend to be just their own different realm. But it seems like you got some, like, some fantasy vibes 
some kind of realism vibes. And that's where I'm like, okay, where does this fall for somebody's taste? I don't know where it would fall, honestly, because it's got really... Like, the granddaughter gets kidnapped by a god, of the god of death, and the grandfather goes after him. It's it's like a it's it's just a really interesting story. I I can't you'd have to give me that question and let me like or sit on dead air for a really long time to think about it. So I'm not going to give you an answer. Um <laughs> but yeah, like it's it's just a really good touching wholesome story. Which I think is to kind of answer your non-answer. It's kind of like it's a beautiful thing with comics where it portrays stories that are not cookie cutter in any way whatsoever because they're so out there. Like when you get free reign to actually do whatever kind of story you want in these independent comic companies, you really get free ass reign. Like there's so many comic storylines or trades or what have you where I'm like, there's nothing else like this in media. Exactly. Or there's just nothing. There's there's not a way to uh, maybe. I guess not yet to show or portray how a, a sword can kill or cure Alzheimer's for this guy. Like it, it's just like a, it's just a weird, like how do how would you come up with this concept of like this, this blade called Valifax, who is the God of swords helps cure your Alzheimer's. I don't know. I don't know, but, if you have Alzheimer's justice, you can feel free to grab my 22-inch blade. I feel like and that's on, not an okay joke. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably not, but it's staying in there anyway. Anyway, guys, we're Pod Wars Justice. Where can the lovely folks find us? They can find us on Twitter, at Pod Wars Podcast. We have been a very quiet because... We got things going on in our lives, but school ends this week, y'all. I'm super excited, and so that means Gary and I are going to start kicking that Pod Wars ass and going full head, full head, full steam ahead. Speaking of which, I'm struggling with words. It's been a long-ass day. Anyway, we got a couple interviews coming up, and so be excited about that. Maybe get to learn about how to break into comics and how music is made for TV shows. Yeah, so we got some good stuff in the works. Thank you, everyone, for being patient with our sporadic schedule because, you know what, life is life. But remember, Shrek is love and Shrek is life. And on that note, everyone, have a great week.